where we try to help you be helpful to other people. My name is Kate. I'm here with... Hey, this is Leslie. <laughs> Leave a message. <laughs> Folks, we are here today to kind of continue our conversation about how to be helpful to other people. Here's one thing I know, Leslie. When someone in my life is struggling or like stressed out or whatever, telling them something like, relax, is not helpful. <laughs> the thing is people need like specific tools to cope with tough times in life. And me telling you like, hey, get over it or chill out or whatever is, is not offering a person a tool. So what I thought we would talk about today is like, what are very specific coping mechanisms that people can use in tough times that go beyond us just saying, calm down, relax, take it easy. What else could we help people kind of explore that would be specific, useful, very practical strategies? And here's what you and I know right now. We, we mentioned this in the last episode. The world is sort of a strange place. California's on fire. There are multiple hurricanes in the Gulf, um, police brutality, uh, global pandemic. Um, RBG died. Um, Oh my God, the Black Panther died. I mean, there's just so much. And our normal coping mechanisms may not be there anymore. Um, some people would say, you know, I would normally go hang out with friends, but we're not really socializing these days. Some people say, I would normally go indulge myself in a concert, but I can't go to a concert these days. All that stuff has stopped. So we've got to be thoughtful about replacing those coping skills we may have lost. What do you think about that? This conversation is about both helping ourselves cope and helping the people that we care about. Yeah, exactly. Because um, I'll say it again, nobody ever relaxed because you told them to. <laughs> right? So, you know, sometimes it's more helpful to ask a person, so what's going to help you cope right now? And frankly, I I'm so practiced at this, right? Like, this is what I do for a living. So when someone says to me, Kate, what will help you right now that you're like, you're going through so much, what will help? I, I like to say I have a big four. <laughs> like, I literally have a memorized list of like, these are my big four best coping strategies. One of them is taking a long walk. And so sometimes when people say, oh gosh, Kate, you're like really going through it right now. What's gonna help you? I will say, to be perfectly honest, a long walk will probably help me. Um, so thanks for reminding me to go to my big four. One of them is a long walk. Sometimes on my long walk, I incorporate number two on the list, which is music. Listening to music helps me tremendously. And whether I'm walking or not, sometimes just putting on my headphones, hearing some of my favorite songs um, will just help me kind of process what I'm feeling. Uh, it might help me relax. It might help me calm down. It might help me do the third one on my list, which is cry. Mm. Crying is one of my best coping skills. And I, I, I'm on a mission in this world to kind of rebrand crying as not such a bad thing. Um, sometimes like 
if I'm in a situation where I know I'm, my mood is off, I'm cranky, I'm not myself, um, something's just up with me, I can't even figure out what is up with me, sometimes I will go find like whatever private space I can. Usually the only one I know of is like the bathroom stall. <laughs> and I'll say, I'm going to go give myself five minutes to just like cry this out a little bit. And it's lovely. It's lovely. It feels fantastic. I emerge from that bathroom stall a new person like okay I'm good now I don't know what that was about but like I just needed to emote a little bit um so on my big four we've got walking we've got music we've got crying and the last one is so like perfectly Kate Watson which is lists I, whether it's in my phone or on my computer, on a fucking napkin, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I start making lists and that does something for me. It helps me get my thoughts organized. I'm very like methodical and very organized. And when I start to not feel that way, I'm not in a good place. So lists help me kind of get that part of myself back where I'm organized. I got an outline of thoughts now, you know, that's maybe more my logical side coming out but it helps me. And in the grand scheme of things, having this go-to list is really good for me because when the world starts to feel like it's spiraling out of control, when I start to feel like I am not at my best, I don't have to spend a lot of time wondering, well, what am I gonna do? Well, how am I gonna make myself feel better? I have like a go-to, big four, let's do it. Which one do I want to start with? I'm going to do a little combo of walk music and make lists in my head or something like that. It helps me a lot. And I'm wondering if it's even a fair question to ask you, Leslie, do you have a go-to, something that you know helps you? Yeah, you know what, Kate, uh, to speak on lists, I, so I, you know, I feel like sometimes like everything is a little too much. Like I have so many things in my head mm -hmm. that it's about to pop off of my shoulders. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to get it out. And uh, recently, uh, my husband Matt and I have been, we've been talking about lists because we have just so much going on. I actually need to like get a notebook and write it down. There's something cathartic for me about writing, mm -hmm. physically writing something down. Um, so, love lists. Mm -hmm. I think that to me helps me get my thoughts out from the ether where it feels like it's too much, get it on paper, and you can make progress on that list. So I think it's it's helpful for me to have this list of big four. One of them really resonated with you, which was list making. Um, it's funny that on my one of my lists is coping skills. Like I have a list of coping skills. <laughs> and so one of them is list making. I also just want to bring us back to this idea that, you know, people may come to you in need and they may say, oh, I'm so stressed out and I'm just not myself lately and I'm having a horrible day. And the idea is that there may be many things that are their coping skills that you wouldn't know. You can't tell them how to cope. And so many people are really happy to step right up and say, why don't you try deep breathing? Fuck you. That doesn't work for everybody. Right? Like, like if, if one more person wants me to meditate and try yoga, I'm going to be like, you don't know me. Get out of my life. Why don't you ask me what works for me? If you ask me, I will tell you what works for me, which is walking, music, crying, and list making. Boom. Um, so I'm really asking you to ask others before you try to prescribe to others. Did you have a thought about that, Leslie? Yeah. What I really suggest in this moment is not 
coming up with a list of things that that person can do to cope. Because this person in your life, they've gotten so far in their life because they do have coping mechanisms. And for you to say, well, you know, you could try to do um, uh, woodworking. <laughs> um, um, they're gonna shoot you down probably. Mm-hmm. Like you might, you might get lucky. But by even just asking, what are your coping mechanisms? What do you normally do when things get too much? You're you're giving them a vote of confidence in mm-hmm. themselves for their own their their own system. Um, you know, so somebody will always find a um, a reason to say I can't do that. But if you ask them to to find it on their own, to say like, what do you normally do? Um, you're you're relying helping them rely back on their own things. If they go and take a wine bath because you told them to, the next time that they feel upset, overwhelmed, anxious, whatever, I better call that person. They'll tell me what to do. Um, and if it doesn't work, well, now you're really in for it. Leslie, what's a wine bath? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just made up that term. Oh, you made it up? I don't know. Like, like you, know, you take a bubble bath and you bring, bring like some wine or whatever. I don't drink wine. I drink beer. <laughs> so you might have just invented wine bath, and I'm your first customer <laughs> because that sounds like heaven. I I know your point was you can't tell people how to cope, but I think I think wine bath is my number five now coping skill. <laughs> bathe in wine um okay in, in all seriousness um <laughs> you're whether it's wine bath or whatever you know one thing i'm really taking away from what you said though is when we attach the word coping skills to things like baths and and yoga and like socially and traditionally feminine things mm. We send the message that this is stuff that like real tough dudes wouldn't be interested in. And that's gotten our world in some problems. Yeah. Because if men don't have coping skills too, this world is worse off. So when we always go right to, well, did you light a candle? (laughs) And did you put your fuzzy slippers on? We lose people in this conversation. We we alienate people who are like, you gotta be kidding me. That's not me. I'm not gonna go meditate with monks. And, you know, we alienate people. And so I think we have to have like a really, (laughs) I almost said really cool. I don't know how to be really cool, but we we need to have um, a more inclusive conversation about coping skills that might include the batting cages. Yeah. That might include, um, I don't know, going for a bike ride. It might include some things that don't sound. Powerlifting. Yeah. (laughs) Leslie doesn't have the microphone, but she said powerlifting, which I'll tell you is a a great coping skill for someone who, you know, really needs to release some stress. Um, So I worry when, you know, all the books on coping strategies are always like bubble baths and candles and facials and stuff like that. I'm like, we're leaving out a lot of people who are like, hey, I have stress too. And what am I supposed to do with my stress? So I thought we could talk about, you know, uh, things beyond that. Like, and, and, and Leslie and I are not saying, you know, this is the fifth time I'm going to say what we're not saying. <laughs> what we're not saying for the fifth time is that we know how other people should cope. What I would like to do is run through a gamut of what coping skills could look like for those who might feel limited by, well, I tried counting to 10 
And that didn't help me, so I gave up. Like, well, so then counting to 10 is not your coping skill. You're gonna need a new one if counting to 10 is not working. So I kind of put these into categories because that's how my brain works. And the first category is called distress tolerance. And these are the coping skills you use to just get through something. You're not trying to solve a problem or process it or think through it very deeply. You're trying to survive a moment without flipping the fuck out. And for some people, they will do deep breaths and that will help them. For other people, it's something else. Um, and so we, I wanna start us off with a key point, but I'm putting you on deck, Leslie, cause I'm gonna ask you in a couple seconds, what's one of your, like, I just have to get through this tough meeting kind of coping mechanisms. You're, you're at work, everybody's looking at you, you feel triggered in some way, you can't decide in that moment to go to yoga. You know, I'm gonna ask you soon, what's your coping mechanism when you have to just get through it? First, I wanna say to folks who are thinking, hey, I have those moments where like something sets me off and I'm really pissed off and I, I have to figure out a way to get through it. When something triggers us, whatever it may be, a comment, a smell, uh, an image, whatever, something triggers us, we have a stress reaction. And I mean a stress reaction at like a chemical level, we have a stress reaction. And what I want people to know is that technically on a biological level, that stress reaction lasts, it's 90 seconds. But a lot of us will remain triggered for three days, right? I'm, I got pissed off in that meeting and I'm still mad about what happened and I'm still angry about that comment. Technically, your stress reaction is 90 seconds. Hmm. And if you can get through that 90 seconds, you're in a much better place to behave in a calm, level-headed way. It's about surviving that 90 seconds where you might be enraged. And that's kind of where strategies like counting and breathing come into play. It's for a purpose. It's to get you through that triggered like chemical reaction of stress for 90 seconds. Some people tap their feet and it gets them through the 90 seconds. Some people doodle in their notebook and that gets them through the 90 seconds. I just want folks to know that even if you're someone who thinks, man, sometimes at work, something will happen and I'm in a bad mood for days. You are choosing that bad mood for days. It's the 90 seconds that you can't really help. You just have to get through. Beyond that, you've made a decision to stay in that place. You've made a decision to stay pissed off. So Leslie, what helps you in that 90 second stress reaction period? Um, so what I do is, and this is super basic, but you will never ever catch me going into a meeting without a water bottle. Mm -hmm. um, and I do, I am, uh, you know, I do stay extremely hydrated, <laughs> but I always go in with water and I find myself using that mm -hmm. in those moments. And I will just take a sip of water. Um, helps that lump in your throat go down. It helps mm -hmm. um, you, like your body do a, um, an action that your body is accustomed to. Okay. Um, and so it refocuses some, refocuses some of your energy. And I'm sure Kate has a way better clinical way of, of saying this. Yeah. Um, so that's my thing. Mm -hmm. I just, I drink some water, I, you know, another beverage. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I love that one because that I don't think anyone's going to write that off as like silly hippie shit, you know, like water. <laughs> I, I think that's one that anybody could do. You could be the CEO of a big company, the president of a university. You could get triggered in a meeting and you might just say, I'm just going to pause for a second and take a sip of water. And nobody has to know that inside you're fighting tears. Nobody has to know inside you're feeling insecure or unworthy or embarrassed. No one has to know. You're just surviving the moment. So water is a good one. One thing for me is I, um, people know I drink a lot of coffee and, and it's often not about the coffee. I like the feeling of a warm mug in my hand. And sometimes I drink the coffee inside and sometimes, listeners, you can't see, I'm pointing over here to a, a full cup of coffee that I didn't really drink. Um, it's sitting here. What I did was for a little while I held it and like the warm feeling of, you know, warm beverage in my hands really relaxes yeah. me and I can do that anywhere and there's no point in time where holding a cup of coffee in my hand is going to be seen as like way inappropriate and what's her problem and the same thing with water so it's helpful to always have at least one coping strategy that you could do in any setting that you don't have to excuse yourself for you don't have to go to the bathroom into the stall and cry you don't have to go to yoga or get on your bike and ride or, or whatever the case may be it's helpful folks to have at least one coping skill that could be happening in the middle of a meeting and no one would know um, because we're all going to need those. So on this topic of like just distress tolerance, right? We're just talking about getting through a moment. We're just talking about surviving. Sometimes people do, and, and you said that Kate probably has a clinical term for this. I guess the clinical term is grounding. Grounding is just like bringing you into the here and now. So here's the purpose of that. You're in a situation where something happens and it kind of triggers you or pisses you off. Often what's happening is you're pulled out of the present. You're thinking about something that happened in the past and you're worried about something that's going to happen in the future, but you are not in the here and now. You are thinking like, oh, this is just like that last time my boss interrupted me. And now I think, you know, this person doesn't respect me and I'm not going to get that promotion I wanted. You're stuck in the past and the future but you're not in the meeting right now. And so grounding is about coming to the present tense, um, coming right into the room. And so sometimes grounding for people is like looking around the room for objects and saying like, okay, name three objects in the room and that's grounding. Um, for some people, grounding is deep breaths or counting. Um, for some people, grounding is using your semantic memory to kind of recite a list that you already have memorized. I had a friend, who um, she may even be listening, I won't say her name, but um, she'll know I'm talking about her. She had a coping skill of reciting the presidents in chronological order. And I went to school with her, and I think this is brilliant. I'm, I mean, I it's, it's rare, but it's brilliant. I went to school with her, and when we had a test, you know, I'd come in and be like, oh, I'm so nervous for the test. And she would put her hand up, and I'd look over and see that she's writing the presidents out. And it was, it's a semantic memory thing. It doesn't require effort for her. I'm sure to memorize it in the first place required effort. But at this point, like it's for her, it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like she just knows them. And relying on a memorized list that you have brings you into the moment. You're no longer thinking about a bad thing that happened to me a year ago and some terrible thing I think is going to happen next week. You're focused on here and now, which is important in like a test taking moment. She could easily have walked in and thought, you know, in fifth grade, I failed a test. 
and I'm really worried I'm about to fail this test and I'm gonna get an F when it comes back next week. That's past and future. So she does her president's list and she's in the present. Um, so those are just what we call grounding techniques to keep you focused. Some people do more avoidance or escapism techniques. They binge watch something on Netflix or they play video games or they go shopping or whatever the case may be. Those are the ones that just distract. Do you have a good distracting coping skill? H-G-T-V. <laughs> That's the one. Um, I, because of what's going on in my life, I've actually had to find a, a couple of uh, TV shows, mm -hmm. especially at first, that just inspired nothing but good feelings mm -hmm. that were interesting enough to hold my attention. That's a good one. I also like The Great British Bake Off. These are perfect. <laughs> so, you know, those are the ones that I watch when I, I need to just escape and not... But I also think that sometimes you do, you might need to watch something to emote, and that's maybe a different thing than you're than you're talking mm -hmm. about. But it is um, sometimes when you're you're feeling like there's just so much building up inside of me, and you need to employ cave tactic number three, which is to cry. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a workout for your tear ducts. Yeah. Um, and or you know maybe it's something. Um, it just lets you feel. I think you're making a really important distinction. So we're talking about the avoidance escapism ones, but art, whether it's movies, music, television, painting, whatever, art can do either. Art can either be escapism, like when you watched HGTV, uh, and for our international audience, that's home and garden television. <laughs> um, the international audience will know the British Bake Off, though, because that's everywhere. Um, so that's a, so wholesome. It's wonderful, and that's escapism. So when I'm looking for escapism kind of art, not escape artists, that's different, <laughs> but escapism art, I go to childhood movies, and you yes, know yes. which one I love. I watch Newsies. I put Newsies on, it brings me back to my childhood, and it's my favorite songs, and I sing every single word, and I know the whole thing from the beginning in 1899. <laughs> I know how it starts. Um, and so for me, when I'm looking for art that is avoidance and escapism, I go to childhood stuff. When I'm looking for art that has a different purpose, it's going to help me actually process feelings. That goes in a whole different category, and I would choose differently. So maybe we'll just go there then. Um, I had a couple of other thoughts about distress tolerance, but but Leslie is bringing us, and I, I thank you for the bridge, you're bringing us to the next category, which I call processing shit. Mm. So this is when I'm not trying to just get through it. I want to I wanna work through it. Getting through it means take some deep breaths, get your head together, take your sip of water, hold your cup of coffee, get through it. But work through it means I want to really understand what I'm feeling and see if I can heal what's going on for me and make it better. And then I might rely on music that brings up my emotions and actually helps me process what is it that I'm really feeling right now? Where did this come from? Is it bringing up childhood memories that are making me think of good times or bad times or whatever? That's processing shit. And it sounds like you're, you're saying there are some things you might watch on TV or movies that help you process shit, and there's other stuff that helps you just avoid and escape. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, but we're on to a new category then. The new category is processing shit. So these, these are coping skills that are gonna sound a little different. I like things like journaling to process shit. List making helps me process shit. Um, 
walk, taking long walks helps me process shit. And there's research to support that like movement and exercise gives you some clarity. And I can actually like better tap into what's going on with me when I take a walk. So a lot of my big four coping skills are ways to process shit. Um, other people like to talk to someone and it's never really been mine, <laughs> but I've always been more the listener than the talker, but it's funny. Maybe funny is not the right word. It's interesting because when helpers are trying to help a person, they say, oh, you should talk about it. You should call someone. You should talk, talk it out. And it's one of those like quick go to, that's the best coping skill, call someone, talk to someone. And for me, it just never has been. I feel a little put on the spot when I'm talking to someone. I do a little bit better with, let me take a walk and listen to some music. And once I've processed this shit, then I'll talk to someone. But I like to kind of process it first. Other people process by talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, talking it out is a big part of my creative process, a big part of my you know coping, things like that. But it's really not for everybody. Um, and so I always try, Always, I, I try. I, I can't say that I'm always perfect at this, but I try to say when someone's talking, they, they say that they're, they're having feelings. I say, like, is this something that it would help you to talk about? Mm. Um, and that kind of like introduces their, their own agency into this. Like, um, and if you are somebody that is uh, processed by talking, it's really important that you get people, people to buy into that with you, your conversation mm. partner because you will feel nothing but stymied if you go up to somebody and you're like, okay, I need to talk about it. And they're like, they give you something that's not 100%. You're gonna be like, you feel like someone punched you in the gut. Um, mm -hmm. So especially right now when we're you know working from home and I only see a couple of humans <laughs> once in a while, um, and the, the one human that I see very frequently is my husband and I have to say like, can we talk about this right now? Mm -hmm. do, you have, do you have a second? I've, I've got feelings. And um, sometimes he'll be like, uh, and I'm like, never mind, feel it. He wasn't um, received. And then, you know, then that's when I go back and I'm like, okay, I need to journal this out. Like, I know that he's not, he can't do this. He can't be my everything. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I used to be a big journaler and I stopped. I, but I just urge you, if you are somebody that is uh, a talker, make sure that you have the person's undivided attention. It's a good time to talk. And that way you will preserve your own sanity and theirs too. Yeah, that's, um, you keep giving me good bridges to the next category because <laughs> you're actually talking about prevention of, a, of, a, of the next stressor. So let me just see what, say what I mean by that. Leslie is saying, if you like to go talk to people about your stuff, make sure that person's in a good place. Because if you start opening up and they're not in a good place, you're going to end up feeling even worse. Yeah. And so the next category of coping skills, it's like we planned this. The next one is prevention. Sometimes you can cope with things before they happen, sort of prevent them from being worse. And if you are doing this check-in question with your husband and you say, I'm, I'm about to talk about something that's kind of important to me, is this a good time? You're actually preventing the future resentment you would have had if he didn't listen to you. And that's another way of like navigating life really well is preventing problems before they become something to cope with. Um, I think about that like when I don't answer a phone call from someone who tends to cause problems in my life, right? When I just say like, oh, I'm not picking that up. 
that's a coping skill because I'm preventing some stressor that I anticipate this person's about to offer me. <laughs> um, let's see, packing your lunch the night before you have to like leave for work in the morning. It's a coping skill. It's how you are coping with life by preventing a hectic morning. Um, so those things that you do to kind of fend off stressors before they come your way are also coping mechanisms and it's a form of prevention. So we've talked about the kind of coping mechanisms that just help you like survive a moment. It's not about thinking deeply, it's about just getting through. We've talked about the kind that help you really process shit and we've talked about prevention. And it's nice if you can have a little bit from each column here, you know, each category, have some coping skills that you know help you get through the, the moment, have some coping skills that you know help you process, and have some coping skills that help you prevent the need to cope in the future. We did do a little informal survey, a totally unscientific survey, went out to folks who, you know, follow Leslie and I, and so it's mostly our friends and family, let's be honest. Um, so there is definitely a, a, a biased group of people, but I put on the survey some options. I said, you know, what, what's your best way to cope? And the options were things like exercise, um, calling a friend, doing something creative, distracting yourself with video games, television, etc. Maybe like isolating or secluding yourself. One of the categories there was uh, consume something, and I put as options mm -hmm. alcohol, cigarettes, caffeine, sugar, fat, etc. These are all things we consume when we're stressed <laughs> Sometimes out. Sometimes all at one time. Sometimes all of them at once. Um, it probably alarmed some people that I put like cigarettes on the same list as fat, but these are all substances that soothe us in some way. And then the last one on the options list was deep breathing, mindfulness, meditation. And although there was a tiny slight preference for exercise in our group of followers mostly it was evenly split among all of these and so it was just another reminder that you know folks can can have a large gamut of coping skills and as we think about trying to help other people please don't assume you know what's going to help somebody cope what i think we can assume is that we all need coping skills I can't assume what they will be for you. I can't know if counting to 10 is your thing or listing the presidents is your thing. How could I possibly know that? Um, how can I know if it helps you to smell lavender or if it helps you to smell mint? How could I possibly know that? And sometimes helpers like to think they know and you don't. So it's better to ask somebody, what do you think might help you here? And one thing I will say, the categories are nice to hang on to because if you ask a person, hey, Leslie, what's going to help you get through this moment? And Leslie only lists things that are about like surviving the here and now. I might say, great, that's those are your coping skills for right now. Also, you might want to consider some that aren't just about getting to the next moment, but they're more about prevention and processing. And we can talk about that another day. But you might want to consider that having those would kind of diversify your portfolio of coping <laughs> skills. Um, so I just I wanted to float that out there, folks, because everybody's in need of a few more on their list these days. I think you know my big four might have to become a list of big six because there's enough going on that maybe it wouldn't hurt me to have a couple of fresh ones. Uh, any closing thoughts from you, Leslie? No, she gave me a thumbs up, folks. I think we out. <laughs>
day.